Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Election College, episode 128. The Lincoln-Douglas debates, and, you know, the rest of Douglas's life, too. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, in the last episode, we talked about Stephen Douglas and how he came to the year 1858 to, uh, you know, the, the senator run, the senator election, where they're trying to figure out, do we want Douglas or Lincoln? And um, if you didn't listen to that last episode, by the way, you're, you might be kind of lost during this one, so you should go back and listen to it, 127. That's a good one. But, Jason, here, here we are, and it's time to uh, to talk about Lincoln. Yeah, so you got this guy, a young attorney. His name's Abraham Lincoln. He's from Illinois, too. And everywhere Douglas goes, Lincoln (laughs) follows behind. And Douglas says something. And then within a couple of days after, Lincoln comes up with a rebuttal. Yeah, so the Democrats have selected Douglas. The Republicans have elected or nominated Lincoln. And Douglas is like, I don't want to talk to him. He scares me. He has um, a top hat, and that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe he didn't say that part. But he was traveling state to state making uh, speeches. And like Jason said, Lincoln is just right on his tail, coming right after him. And... And after this happens a few different times, Douglas is like, okay, why don't we have like, I don't know, two or three debates? And Lincoln's like, how about seven? And actually, I don't know how that interaction went, but <laughs> there are there's a, an agreement to have seven joint appearances. And this is what we know as the Lincoln-Douglas debates. And of course, in the debates, Douglas is going to talk about his support of the idea of popular sovereignty. Yeah. And so... With the whole popular sovereignty thing, Douglas is saying to Lincoln, would you ever vote to admit a new slave state, even if the majority of settlers supported slavery? And he's railing on Lincoln because Lincoln is saying slavery is a moral issue and it needs to be resolved by the nation as a whole. And Douglas is saying uh, this is going to create a conflict that is unnecessary. You're going to have this battle between free and slave states, and this is going to end up not just being a philosophical battle. It's going to end up in a war. And he asserts that Lincoln is all about having civil and social equality between the races, and he even insinuates 
that Lincoln accepts interracial marriage. <gasps> what a scandal. Yes. Hey, you know, I, I don't know uh, where I heard this, and I could be mistaken, Jason, so I'm going to going to put that at the beginning of this. This isn't your history book, folks. This is Ben talking right now. I have heard that Lincoln was actually um, in some sense racist himself. Like, he he was a white supremacist, but he still thought that um, others shouldn't be slaves to white people. Hmm. He thought white people were better, but he thought that they should be equal in the way that they were treated. Interesting. Yeah. I've I've read that in multiple different places. So it could be it could be wrong, uh, throwing that out there, and I know that will destroy some people's vision of Lincoln, but anyway, that's what I've heard. Uh <laughs> sorry if it's wrong. But it, it's an interesting idea for sure. Uh Douglas actually says the Declaration of Independence, I remember, you know, reading that. I I heard about that. Uh it's really only meant to apply to non whites, so sorry. Um the government and this is actually a quote from him. The government was made by our fathers on the white basis, made by white men for the benefit of white men and their posterity forever. And Lincoln just rebuts that. I mean, he says, no, it, it didn't. That's not what the case was. Um, but regardless, there's neither one of them can say for certain. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to think because obviously this is before the Gettysburg address was addressed. It's before Lincoln is president, of course. So, what is the Declaration of Independence? There <laughs> is a lot of disagreement on the Declaration of Independence being a legal document, which pretty much was solidified at the Gettysburg Address. Right. Anyway, back to the era we're talking about here. <laughs> Lincoln criticizes Douglas for his moral indifference to the issue of slavery. And... Lincoln, with that, just like what Ben was saying, he says nothing about interfering with the issue of slavery in the South. And he evades Douglas's questions about the admission of a slave state or having new states be admitted to the Union as a slave state. That Democrats like Douglas and Buchanan and Chief Justice Taney would work together to extend and perpetuate slavery. Lincoln disclaimed the radical views on racial equality attributed to him by Douglas by arguing only for the right of Negroes to personal liberty and to earn their own living. So both men were going at it here with accusing each other of, you said this statement, but do you really believe that? Or... Are you just saying that for political gain? There was some inconsistencies going on for the very reasons that Ben just mentioned. Yeah, and Lincoln actually forces Douglas to make a distinction on where he stands based on Dred Scott versus popular sovereignty. And we mentioned before that, you know, if Douglas goes one way on Dred Scott, some people are happy with him. If he goes another way, other people are happy with him. But more importantly, if he goes one way or another, some people are going to be mad at him. And so at the second debate, uh, he says, can the people of a United States territory in any lawful way exclude slavery from its limits prior to the formation of a state constitution? And so, you know, Douglas has a very careful answer here. He has to decide if he's going to endorse Dred Scott or if he's going to 
not endorse Dred Scott, rejected outright. And so, you know, Douglas tries to tries to prance around the issue a little bit and he's like, Hey, well, you know, okay, so you know, the Supreme Court, they they said it, you know, you can't explicitly um, prohibit slavery, but that's it, fine because, you know, people in the territory, they can do whatever they want. And um, that, that's just not a good enough answer. So the debates really do define what a Republican is and kind of <laughs> what a Democrat is, but they know that Douglas is their Democrat. He is their man. So what ends up happening is Douglas is reelected. He does win 54 to 46. Now, Lincoln actually received more votes statewide, but it is a representative form of government, and according to the way the districts had been laid out, the Democrats won. So Douglas won the battle, but as we know, in a couple of years, he doesn't win the war. Yeah, so the election of 1860 is about to come up, and Douglas is, of course, going to be the nominee for the Democrats. So remember what I was saying about um, just a few minutes ago where Douglas is waffling all back and forth, and you know, the Supreme Court can say this, but it doesn't matter because people can say this, etc. That kind of gets dubbed the Freeport Doctrine. And the Freeport Doctrine, like most Southerners, hate it. And uh, the Fire Eaters say, Douglas you are no better than an abolitionist. And even though Douglas really does support the ability to have slavery, he's looked at as someone who would be in opposition to it. So, you know, these these debates are really revolutionary in the sense that there had been debates, obviously, before, but not about a particular topic uh, in such a, in such a weight and such a heavy matter. Uh, there hadn't been anything that had been so, I think probably forecasting of the future because, it, you know, they go into things like civil war and disunion and we're only a few years away from like the legit civil war. So, I mean, these debates are very indicative of the fact that, um, not only are the candidates feeling the pressure from the American people, but America as a whole is at a state where they have to decide what's going to happen in the future. What what are we going to do as far as, you know, we're still growing, we still want to grow, but how are we going to grow and what kind of a place do we want to be? And of course, some people see no moral opposition to it at all and others do, and that's a completely different discussion. But, uh, you know, Douglas is very democratic and says, um, all citizens should uh, should be equal. Here's my only thing, though. Only white people are citizens, so we're good. So by the time 1860 presidential election rolls around, you have the different factions of the Democratic Party being exposed, where in the South you have people who are saying, if you speak out against Dred Scott, we are not going to support you. And in the North... If you do support Dred Scott, we're not going to support you. They actually had to change the rules on how much of a majority you needed to get in order to get the nomination because they couldn't come to a consensus on who their presidential candidate would be. So by the time 1860s Democratic National Convention rolls around, you have the Southern delegates who say, 
yes, you must support Dred Scott. You've got the Northern Democrats saying, no way you're going to support Dred Scott. And they actually changed the rules for how to select the nominee. Well, what ends up happening is the Southern Democrats bolt. They name Vice President Breckinridge as their candidate. The Northern people say, okay, Douglas, we're with you. But now we have a split party. Hmm. So guess what? Lincoln wins. Yeah. And we've talked about that election back. Oh, I don't even want to guess what episode number it was. But if you look for it, you'll find it. Uh, it it's kind of interesting because you know, we've talked about this in more depth. And this isn't an episode about Lincoln or that election. But uh, Lincoln is a part of a brand new party. And he's the first nominee. And he's also the first Republican president. So... That's what happens when you split your party, folks. Uh, you or you don't come in organized with a single um, a single thing in mind. Your party splits and you lose anyway. But maybe sometimes it's worth it to take a stand. I don't know. Yeah, it goes to show you if you're not willing to take a stand, you're gonna end up splitting right. something. Yeah, <laughs> and that's precisely what happened to the Democratic Party in that year because really Lincoln. He wasn't that well known. No. Um, you know, we know more about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Our current debate structure uh, is derived from the Lincoln-Douglas debates back in 1858. And then the the exposure of the different philosophies from that affected the 1860 national election. But, um, yeah, you got to stand for something or else everything's just going to fall apart. Jason, uh, I'm glad to some extent that the debates aren't exactly like they were because in the Lincoln-Douglas debate, one the, the first candidate got to speak for an hour, 60 minutes. And then the other one, the, the, the second one, got to speak for 90 minutes, so an hour and a half. And then if all that wasn't long enough for you, the first candidate got to go back and have basically a rebuttal for an additional 30 minutes. So you got um, a, a long time. You got three hours tied up in a debate. Um, and of course, you probably already know which side you stand on at the beginning of the debate, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I wonder if Facebook was streaming yeah. the debates live. I think it was the first instance. There was no one watching because no one had a computer, uh, but see. Facebook was streaming it. Um, it see. is all knowing and everything. So, uh, you know, Douglas says, okay, um, I get it. It's early October. Republicans have won all these different elections in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, Douglas says, Mr. Lincoln is the next president. We have to save the Union. I'm going to go south. And he goes down south to try and rally up some people to have a um, kind of a, a good-hearted nature towards the Union as it is. So after Douglas's defeat in the election of 1860, he goes around and offers support to annexing Mexico as slave territory. And uh, he also states that he wants the U.S. to remain intact. Yeah, he actually says that secession should be a criminal act. And, you know, this is a guy who believed in that the Union would try and separate, and he still says don't do it. It's, it's criminal. Uh, he, you know, can be credited with being one of the strongest advocates of 
making sure the union stayed together. It didn't, but he wanted it to. And so, you know, after um, after Fort Sumter, after, you know, it gets bombarded and Lincoln says, okay, um, this is a state of rebellion, Douglas actually takes a look at the proclamation that Lincoln issues and says, yeah, I endorse this completely. I think not only should you send the, this many troops, you should, you should not only send 75,000 troops, you should send 200,000 because I know that they are scoundrels and, um, you know, they're dishonest. They're not going to, to listen to 75,000 troops. And of course they didn't listen to 200,000 either. Yeah. Unfortunately, Douglas's life was cut short on June 3rd, 1861, where he died from typhoid fever. There you have it. Stephen Douglas, kind of a crazy guy. Nobody really will say one way or another whether he was for slavery or against it, but he was certainly for states being able to determine whether or not they were for or against it. If you have enjoyed this episode of Election College as much as we have, you should leave us a review. Yeah, just head over to electioncollege.com slash iTunes. You will be redirected over to iTunes where you can take 90 seconds to leave us a rating and review. It really does help us get this podcast in front of more people. Hey, and I know that there are people out there who are telling their friends about Election College. And if you have not, you should, because the best way for the show to grow is to tell at least one friend this week about Election College and how much you like it. We appreciate everyone who has done that so far. We see you sometimes mention us on uh, you know, Facebook in a comment or something like that if you tag us. Um, that's always great, but more than anything, you know, burn a CD or something. I don't, I don't think people still do that anymore, but uh, you can try it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so we will see you next time. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>